Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. If you have your Bible tonight, I'd like for you to open up with me to the book of Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to give you a head start to get there. I want to thank our musicians and praise team for always taking us up into another level. Appreciate their heart for service and for worship. If God would help me, I want to begin the next few weeks, however God would lead, on this thought, the making of a leader. And I want to talk about the call of God that is upon your life. There are many people here, some of you that are watching, some that you will tune in later, that sense the divine call of God upon your life. You don't necessarily have it honed in. You don't necessarily know all the P's and Q's, the, the I's and the T's, but you just sense that God is taking you on a journey. And you have to understand that when God gives you a dream or God begins to push you on the inside, that he is setting you up for process. Now, you've got to be processed. Somebody say amen. You have got to be processed. You, you have to go through the, the process in order to reach the level of maturity for God to put you on the king's table like a chalice to be used unto the king. And so I want to talk about that and I want to give you as much as Be Pastor Bev and I can share about what it means to be in ministry, what it means to lead your family, because your first ministry, before you call to the nations and prophesying over this person and giving popcorn prophecy in the hallway, your first ministry is your family. Look at your neighbor and say, take care of your business. I can't handle the business of God if I can't handle my business. That was a weak amen. I'm going to say it over here. I can't handle the business of God if I don't handle my business. Somebody say my business. Tonight I want to speak to you around the thought exclusively of impulsiveness. Most of us would understand what impulsiveness means. The inclination to sudden illogical changes of mind, ideas, or actions. I don't want you to raise your hand or point at anybody, but all of us know somebody who is impulsive. They just do things on the fly. They don't even think about it. They just do things and then wonder why they in trouble. Wonder why things did not turn out. But when you begin to think about the apostles that God, Jesus in the flesh, handpicked, you sometimes get this great picture of these men of God who healed the sick and raised the dead and did miracles everywhere they went, exercised their faith. They had an unshakable faith in God. And if you begin to think about those 12 apostles that followed Jesus, I want you to know that you're really not thinking correctly because the 12 apostles that Jesus handpicked, they were a motley crew. <laughs> they were his right-hand men, most like you and I, and he picked them, but they were a hodgepodge, and all of them had some baggage that they were bringing into the ministry. 
And when you study them, you really begin to appreciate that God is in the business of handpicking us and he loves us enough to handpick us and put us in the ministry. Most of us have the same weaknesses or the lack of faith at some point in our life. And when we understand the weakness and we can also see the strength, then we are baffled sometimes that God would use us. But when you look at these people, and tonight we're going to focus primarily on Brother Peter as being an impulsive leader. And I, I think about ministry. When God called me into the ministry, I was at a youth camp. I had been raised in ministry, been around ministry. I was in a youth camp, and I was uh, running after God, and I heard the Lord just beckoning me and calling me to serve him. Now, at that time in my life, I thought the only way that you could say you were called of God is that you were declaring your call to preach the gospel. I did did not know what I know now that every person is not called to preach in the pulpit. We're all called to preach. Some just do it in a pulpit. But everywhere you go and everything you do and everything you say is your platform for ministry. So I don't want us to get hung up on, I got to have a position. I got to have a title. You can serve the Lord anywhere and everywhere. Somebody say, that's right, Pastor. I thought about Spurgeon, when he, the, that great preacher who once said, it's a good thing that God chose me before I was born because he surely would not have after I was born. If you think about all the problems and the doubts and the struggles of being obedient then all of us are in good company with the apostles that were on Jesus' team. And I don't think you have to look very far down your road tonight to see that God has his hand on all of us. All of us are God's peculiar treasure. Somebody ought to smile at somebody on your road right there because we are a peculiar bunch. I want to talk a little bit about Brother Peter tonight. He was quite impulsive and God saw the potential of a man that had the capability of leading the church and being a steady leader. Yes, he had his weaknesses, but he also had his strengths. And I've come to tell somebody tonight that your weakness does not disqualify you from being loved by God and being used by God. Somebody ought to say amen there because God picked us even in our shambles. He picked us in all of our mess. And if he picked us, then we have hope. Now let's talk about Brother Peter. First of all, if I could describe him as a leader, I would say he was one that always jumped first. Everybody say jump first. Do you know anybody that just impulsively jumps without looking? Crosses a road without looking. Pulls out into traffic without looking. Gets married. <laughs> Let's read about him in Matthew chapter 14. In verse 28 through 31, in this particular passage, Jesus has appeared to his disciples while they're in a boat. 
And Peter saw Jesus walking on the water. And Peter answered him after Jesus said, Who is it? Are you a ghost? And he said, It is I, fear not. Then Jesus, or Peter, answered him and said, Well, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Notice Jesus did not extend an invitation. Peter invited himself. Do you know anybody that hears you're cooking a mean mess of food and invites themselves? Come on, somebody. And all they bring to the dinner party is a take-home container. Somebody say, that's ghetto. You better show up with something besides a take-home container. Peter asked Jesus, if it's you, then let me come and walk on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? Then we read another passage in John chapter 21 in verse 7, again talking about Peter jumping first. Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved, John would be the, the, the author here, and he's referring to himself in the third person, Therefore the disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. Now let's talk about this Peter who is a jump first leader. First of all, I could describe jump first leaders as clumsy. And the reason I would say that jump first leaders are clumsy is Peter had this thing for jumping into things or jumping before he looked. His nature was to immediately respond with an emotional stirring. Kind of like when a missionary comes and shows us slides of children who have bloated stomachs and frail bones, we just pick up our wallet and we just start giving out because we have just experienced an emotional stirring. The power of God that showed up here on Sunday morning like he always does, but in such a profound way and a many responded, there was an emotional stirring. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so that faith built us up to believe God for a miracle, to believe God to be baptized in his presence. You know, you have to understand that we were created as emotional people. But you also understand that emotional stirrings can cause you to be clumsy if you don't master your emotions through the Holy Ghost. Oh, it's quiet here. Do you know that if you get emotional stirrings, then you always jump every time you are stirred emotionally? That it is really a double-edged sword in your life because if the right thing came along, Peter was quick to commit to it. But given that he might be with this crowd, he might go this direction. Being that he might be with this group of people, he might go this direction. 
since the holidays are coming up and I'm going to be with this element of people, then I might go in that direction. It is easy when you are an emotionally stirred person to just commit to whatever comes along that looks good. And that can make life interesting. In fact, it made Peter's life interesting. And sometimes you just love Peter and sometimes you just wanted to wring his neck. What are you doing? Like the time that Peter jumped overboard to walk on the water to Jesus. No thought until he was in the water. And then he saw the waves taking his eyes off Jesus. He now moved past the emotional stirring and is in the practicality of everyday circumstance. And now he just realizes I've got in over my head. Why didn't I get counsel? Why didn't someone warn me? And do you know that describes a lot of believers that you and I have met after a stirring sermon? We hear we're ready to make a commitment, but it's the follow-through. It's the follow-through that becomes the problem. After they ask for pledges to build a church or whatever, we mark down the highest box on the menu and say, I'm going to give $10,000 in a year's time and trust God. But it's the follow-through. When you take your eyes off of Jesus and the storms begin to come and life just happens, and then you're thinking, well, I did make that commitment and I'm afraid to show my face now because. Or the time when Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb when the women came and said, we saw Jesus. He runs down to the tomb and to see for himself. He had a quick start. But there's one thing to have a quick start and another thing to be a marathon runner. You've got to last in the process. And Luke 24 tells us the story that he just runs on by and sees where Jesus laid. He was the first one. I mean, this guy was quick. He was emotional. Anytime somebody gave him news, he just jumped on it without sometimes knowing what direction he was going. And when Peter realized it was Jesus on the shore in the passage we had read. The Bible said that he put his fishing jacket around him and jumped into the water and swam to shore. We all have a cousin like that. Peter's likable. He's the kind of guy that would do anything for you and you have to love him because he's motivated. And I think Jesus saw potential in him and impulsive people, most of them that I've met, they are motivated people. They focus or they channel their emotions in everything they do. But that sometimes causes them to jump first without looking. And it's a clumsy move for a father, for a mother, for a student, for a single. It's a clumsy move to just jump into a relationship. It's a clumsy move to just jump into an adventure. But I will say this, even though he was clumsy, he was committed. Everybody say committed. The Bible says in John chapter 6, in verse 66, there was a conversation Jesus had. And this is how it went. 
from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Pastor Jesus had people who started with him but didn't go all the way with him. Come on. You've had people start with you but wouldn't walk all the way with you. And it's not a negative in a sense because sometimes their seat needed to be given to someone else. And it's not a hierarchy thing. It's just a matter of understanding that Pastor Jesus, after he told him about his death and they weren't going to be able to collect on their 401ks, I'm leaving here. They're going to put me on a tree. The Bible says that they went back and they walked no more with him because if I could ad lib here a little bit, I could tell you just on the canon of scripture, the understanding of the wholeness, that not everybody could go where he was going. If you realize the multitude left him first on his way to the cross, followed by the 70, followed by the 12, even down to the three and only one remained at the cross and that was John. And Jesus said to Peter and to the disciples, will you also go away? Can you imagine having to ask your staff or your business team or your co-workers who have helped launch whatever? Will you also go just because times are lean during post-COVID? Will you also go? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? There's that commitment speaking. I love it. Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And when I look at Peter in this text, and in this particular, I mean this guy right here, this is a shining moment for Brother Peter. Because if he was ever going to just jump into anything, thank God that he jumped into commitment. He jumped head first in his commitment to Christ. Who else can I go to? I'm rooted. I'm established. I move and have my being in you. And you know, there are many others who stopped following Christ when they realized how hard the commitment was going to be. But Peter didn't flinch, not on this occasion, not on this moment. He, he had a shining moment. He had a strong moment. And you know, people who are, have strong emotions, they tend to be strongly committed, bless God, at least until some other strong emotion comes along and pulls them aside into something else. Oh, I'm preaching good here. Peter later would deny Jesus when he was extremely fearful and delusioned. And once those fears were relieved by Jesus, when he saw Jesus at his appearance, he got his feelings back together. Impulsive disciples are very motivated people that they are quick to move on to something, although they may not have thought it through. All of the aftermath. Peter was a great Pentecostal. Come on. He was a great Pentecostal. Maybe that's why he was the spokesman of the group and typified 
what the group stood for on the day of Pentecost because he was being entrusted to preach and represent this new Pentecostal outpouring of God on Acts chapter 2 into this community who had never experienced and heard these languages spoken like that and he, he is a, the same Peter that later he is the one that confronted brother Paul and, and he, he confronted him because Paul was acting emotionally towards the Gentiles and acting like a hypocrite and Paul, Paul and Peter had this exchange that went on and it went on publicly on Facebook that was my ad lib but it's interesting to note that this was not viewed by God even as a negative trait because Jesus picked Peter <laughs> he picked Peter to become a leader of that group I want you to know this that emotions are good they just need discipline you've got to discipline yourself you got to tell yourself, my spirit is leading me. Not my soul, my emotions, my heart, but not even my physical man that always wants me to be carnal, but my spirit man is what's leading me. I am okay being emotional, but I must learn to discipline my emotions. High five somebody and say, that's my word for tonight. I would rather have, and I'm going to say this as a pastor, I would rather have jump first Christians in our church than never move Christians. You don't even have to look down your row. It's easier to steer a ship than it is to push one. I read a verse out of Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 4 that said a live dog is better than a dead lion. And I thought to myself, how true. I would rather have jump first overzealous Christians in the house than to have bumps on the log that dynamite couldn't push them out. They had no emotion. If you were to walk up to them and give them Colts tickets, they would pass out and they'd light up here. But when we're up here worshiping and praising God, and I'm not here to make fun of anybody, sometimes we respond like that's for someone else. I don't need to participate. Don't you tell me you're not emotional. <laughs> he was a jump first, clumsy but committed leader. Man, I'm having fun. Here's the second thing. He was just fearful. Now, I say that because in Matthew chapter 14... Verse 26 through 27, it says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And then in Matthew 17, a few chapters later, in verse 6, And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face, and they were sore afraid. Impulsive leaders can become fearful pretty quick. They hear a bad report. <gasps> what are we going to do? And their emotions can get the best of them. Are you here? Their stomach starts turning in knots. They feel like they're going to throw up. They're going to pass out. They've got to have a drink of water. Come on, somebody. 
But I want you to understand that that is something that I consider common. If you are an emotional, impulsive leader, and all of us are emotional because we were born with emotion, that there are going to be times that you're going to be up one minute and down the next minute, and to me, that is common. So I don't want you to put discount yourself just because you have been a yo-yo and you were Humpty Dumpty and they can't put you back together again. I want you to know all the king's horses and all the king's men can put Humpty Dumpty, that's you and I, back together again. But impulsive people can be sensitive to fear, and that's what makes impulsive people jumpy because they are sensitive to fear. Fear has a, it grips their heart. And Peter often did crazy things when he was afraid. Fear is an emotion, which is part of being a Peter personality. If you have fear, it's many times you have to understand that that's a common trait if you are experiencing the emotion of fear which causes you to jump. Fear is just an emotion. Somebody say fear is just an emotion. When, Jesus, when Peter first saw Jesus walking on the water, he cried out in great fear, thinking that Jesus was a ghost or a spirit. And then when he knew it wasn't a spirit, that it was Jesus, what did he do? He jumped and, and he jumped off the boat and started walking on the water until he started sinking because of the fear of the waves that are around them. And I love it when people start in ministry and they start serving in the kingdom wherever and they're like, Pastor, put me on the list. Sister Jamie, I want to serve in the nursery. I want to serve here. I just can't wait to get excited. And then they come and they start serving and then all of a sudden, a little fear gets a hold of them and they start saying, I don't know if I can do this. I know I signed up for it and I don't want to let anybody down, but I just don't know if I can do that. Maybe this is just not for me. People who are experiencing fear or people who we would call a Peter, they can be fearful and they are tend sometimes to worry too much and worry about things that never have happened. I'm preaching now. Worry about things that will never happen. Worry about things that... They think somebody's going to say. They think somebody's going to do. They think something's going to happen to them. Peter was afraid when God spoke from heaven, when God was, uh, Jesus was being transfigured in front of those three disciples, Peter, James, and John, and God spoke out of heaven and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The Bible said that Peter fell down in great fear and Jesus had to reassure him and tell him to get up. Get on up. Sometimes impulsive leaders can miss out because of their fear. I'm afraid. And there's probably a little bit of that in every one of us. So he is, it's common. But you have to understand it also can bring confusion. Fear can bring confusion. How many know that God is not the author? People are confused in their gender. Do you think God is confusing them? Are we following the science? (laughs) 
stand in front of a mirror, you will know what you are. Whew. Why are we timid about these biblical truths? When God created them, he created them male and female. He did not call them X. And I saw today that the United States has just now put, added an X to passports. Male, female, and X. And I thought, God help us. And if you are in agreement with that, then that's not the same Bible that I read. And I love you enough to tell you in a politically confused and a gender-confused society that the author of confusion is not God. There's probably a little bit of confusion. And the Bible says in Peter's situation, that's not even in my notes, but it was worth sharing. In Luke 22, this is a long passage, but look what the Bible says here. In verse 49, when they which were about him, saw what would follow. They said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? Here they are in the garden, and the, and the troops have come to take Jesus. And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. Now, in Luke's gospel, he doesn't say who it was, but how many, we all know who it was. Because the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, revealed that it was Peter. And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered, suffer ye, suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. My God. Then Jesus said unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders which were with him, Be you come out as against a thief with swords and staffs? When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. But this in your hour and the, and the power, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter, a follow afar off. Why did he follow afar off? He was confused. I left my daddy's fisherman business to join you, Jesus. It's not supposed to go down like this. I'm waiting on you to restore the kingdom to the Jews. What do you mean you're going to lay your life down? I'm confused. How's this supposed to work out? That's the beauty of faith. Faith isn't a pill you take. It's a muscle you use. You've got to exercise your faith. And the Bible said that when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall were sat down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately when he spake, the cock crew. And he, the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord that he had said to him, Before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. And the Bible said that Peter went out and wept bitterly. This would have been the moment that the devil would have said to Peter, quit the ministry. Resign your church. 
This would have been the moment that the devil would have said, if, if you are so anointed, then why is your marriage like it is? If you are so called, then why are you struggling in the flesh over here in this area of your life? The devil would have just swept in here with all of his confusion. My God. But God is not the author of confusion. The devil is the author. Everything he, that comes out of his mouth is a lie. That's why you need to be baptized and full of the Holy Ghost. That not only will you know the word of God, but you will know the spirit of the word of God. And be understand the ins and the outs of the word of the Holy Ghost. When the Bible said that when he comes, he will lead you into all truth. You will know the truth because the spirit of God will lead you. So when you have a confusing Peter moment, you don't bail out of church and then get mad because nobody called on you for missing. Well, if they really loved me, they would have. There are sometimes you've got to pull your pants up, tie your shoelaces, and quit sucking on a pacifier. Turn to your neighbor on your row and say, I'm not burping you anymore. You're going to have to make up your mind that you're going to believe the whole counsel of this. Peter was confused. In Luke 24, verse 37, the Bible just a couple chapters later says, but they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen the spirit. Here we are again. He's acting strange. And in this case, you remember he cuts off the, the soldier's ear when they come to arrest Jesus. And it's in those unexpected moments that he acts. He doesn't act. He actually reacts with panic because emotions will drive you to act without thinking first. I don't know how many times Beverly and I, you know, we've been married 30 years by the grace of God. And I remember... In those early years, we, we learned how to take the word divorce out of our, out of our vocabulary because that's a tool of the devil. And we, we realized that he's just trying to get us to use that word. And we're not going to do it. My parents have been married over 50 years. My wife's parents have been married over 50 years, still married, all of them. They taught us to take a licking and keep on ticking. They taught us when you're down, you're not always down. You're going to have ups and you're going to have downs. And some people tease and say marriage is like you know, the first seven years of your marriage is like the tribulation. <laughs> and I can honestly say there were times she wanted to wring my neck. <clears throat> I could tell you stories, things that we did, arguments we got into, just dumb, dumb stuff. And if we would have listened to our emotions, Brother Marcus, Sister Sharon, our marriage leaders, they could testify of the many times that we've all embraced dumb stuff. And then we look back and think, I was so dumb. What'd I act that way for? I had to learn how to master emotions. We had bought an old washing machine. We was poor as Job's turkey. We didn't have nothing. But somebody had sold us real cheap an old washing machine set that had the, they were from a laundromat, so they had the push button. You know, act like you had to put a quarter in it. 
that's, that's all we could afford. And so you'd be like, it's like a dinosaur. I mean, and I remember I got so mad at Beverly over something. We were arguing, and I was angry, and I just ran out of the living room into the, the, the laundry room, and I punched that washing machine, and it punched me back. <laughs> I nearly broke my hand. And I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me about my temper and said, you must master this. And you know, he said, I was a youth pastor having fits like that. I know that ain't none of y'all. That's in people that didn't come tonight. I ain't coming to church because we got into an argument and I ain't coming to church tonight. I'm, I'm too, my emotions are too messed up. I'm too mad. I ain't coming. I ain't going to be a hypocrite. Listen, come on to church. You go to Walmart and there's hypocrites. Why don't you? Come on into church. We react with emotions and I, Peter was just confused and you know that's sometimes part of who we are and yet Jesus loved him. He loved him. That's Peter. I think that he sees more out of us than we see of ourselves. He sees our potential. He looks past our weakness and when he sees our weakness he says I can make it a strength. I can turn this for good because my mind goes to the memory verse that I learned that when he is, we are weak, he is strong. He stands up in me. And so this leads me to my third and final point of that maybe he was Jesus' favorite. And I put a question mark there because, you know, you're not supposed to have favorites. But maybe Peter could have been a favorite. Ear chopping Peter, cussing Peter. Are you serious, Jesus? Emotional Peter, jump first Peter, loud Peter, angry Peter, dysfunctional Peter. Was he Jesus' favorite? Look at the Bible, says in Matthew 17. And after six days, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John, his brother, and brings them up to a high mountain. And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto the Lord, It is good for us to be here. If you will, let, let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elias. Now, if you remember, as the story goes on, God had to tell Peter to hush. He said, You talk too much. Look down your row and say, you already know. <laughs> you talk too much. I had never seen a time in the body of Christ where women talk too much together. Where men folk even now be like talking too much. Don't get mad at me. People just talk too much. They just talk too much. Where's my staple gun so I can tack this piece of carpet down over here? People just talk too much. They talk in the church too much. What do you think about this? They just blah, 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 blah. And wonder why there's dysfunction in their life. Say things that make angels blush. Treat people rudely. Talk down about people. Try to call everybody else out when they need to be called out. Just talk too 
much. I need all the musicians to come now. I mean, go ahead and come. Yes, really, go ahead and go. <laughs> Here come Brother Loquacious. Talk, talk, talk. I, I'm, I am by nature a kind of a quiet person. When Beverly and I go on a trip, We'd say a few things to each other, and then we'll talk about sin. But we are very content, just relaxing and not saying much. I mean, we've been married 30 years. We've said a lot. <laughs> we know how to speak without even speaking. And all, I mean, I mean you, there's a certain point you get to a point where you don't have to say everything. You just know. <laughs> Ooh, it's good in here. And I, I'm just kind of a quiet person. And I'm not, you know, I've been on trips with people. And one time I took this brother with me, and I, Sister Sandy Burris told me when she was preaching up here, by the way, God uses women preachers. Somebody said, well, you know, a woman's not supposed to usurp authority. How did she usurp authority? If I'm the pastor of this house, the angel of this house, who am under authority myself, brings someone else in under this authority, they have operation to flow in authority. I just wanted to throw that out there for whoever needed to have their theology checked, confused because you're listening to people. <laughs> I was on this trip, and I'm telling you, this brother talked my ear off. On and on and on from subject to subject. And then he would repeat the story and forgot he had already told me I was so wore out by the time I got to the meeting. I had to get delivered myself. I had to get into my own prayer line and anoint myself. I need to usher. Somebody catch me. I need to, I need to go to sleep is what I need to do. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that if you talk that it's... I'm just saying in this particular occasion... Peter would just talk, talk, talk. Oh, 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 it's so good that I'm here. I'm going to build you a tabernacle, and you get a tabernacle, and you get a tabernacle. And Jesus said, hush, you talk too much. There are times you just got to learn how to have communion. Say the word communion. Jesus often picked Peter when he didn't even pick the other 12. I mean, the nine of them never got included. There were several occasions, I can speak of this mountain of transfiguration, which really is not a, the mountain is not called transfiguration. It's a metaphor. But there was another occasion when Jesus took Peter, James, and John into the room with Jairus' daughter to be healed. The others didn't get to go in there. Some of us would have been like, I've been here 20 years and I joined this ministry. I can't believe they get the opportunity. They get the opportunity because you are talking too much about that. Just let God take you. Jesus picked Peter and invited him in places other people didn't get. When Jesus was transfigured, he was emotional. And I don't think Jesus didn't appreciate his enthusiasm. 
But he didn't want his emotions to overrun what was about to be revealed. Quit talking and learn. Quit talking and listen. You don't have to have a response to everything. Just listen. What is God saying? And he kept him close. He kept Peter close and his closeness was the communion that Peter needed in his life. And there are some of us here when we get through hard times that it's not the time to bail out of God and not go to church and that's the time to run in and press in. My God, the people that fell off during COVID, I thought to myself, oh God, I'm not talking about that the, the, they didn't come. Some just never, some people just disappeared. My God, in the middle of a pandemic, that's when you should be pressing in and say, God, heal our nation. Heal my family, God. Not skipping to my loo over here and there. You're everywhere, but you came. You're at Walmart. You're at birthday parties. You are everywhere, but you are too afraid to be here. You need communion. And if you're sitting at home, and I'm not talking to people who are ill or that are cannot. I mean, if you are sitting at home on purpose and will not be moved, you're not serving in the kingdom of God. And I take issue with that as a shepherd. You don't have to be here. I don't have to be here. I choose to be here. And I choose to shepherd those that want to be shepherded. Forgive me if I sound rough, but man, I'm preaching about Peter and he was rough. We need communion. We need close-knit. And I believe it was that close communion that he had with Jesus that helped him overcome. You can be so close to Jesus that he will help you overcome your weakness. Are you with me? I wonder if you would just stand tonight. Peter is a lot like the disciple that you and I are. He's a lot like us. I believe he represents us actually. And if there is hope for him, there's hope for me. If, if there's hope for him, there's hope for you. Amen. There's hope for all of us. We have to just stay in communion with God. And then if you, well, let me leave this last point with you is that his communion, overcoming his weakness by staying close to Jesus, gave him his commission. He was then commissioned. And the Bible says in Luke 22, verse 31, and the Lord said, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat but I prayed for you that thy faith fail not and when you are converted strengthen your brethren here's your assignment when you come through this when you come through your yo-yo times when you come through your years where you look back on your memories and be like oh Lord why did I do that why didn't someone tell me why didn't I take their counsel when you get over that then I want you to strengthen the people around you. I'm commissioning you. 
In John 21, verse 15, when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me more than these? He said, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. And then he said, feed my lambs. He says to him the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said to him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love you. He saith unto him, then feed my sheep, my lambs, my sheep. He said to the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Peter was so grieved because he had said to him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said to him, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And then Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. And Jesus states, I know there's going to be a time siftings will come. You'll be challenged on whether or not you will stay the course. But I'm telling you, Peter. And he says three times to Peter if he loved him. And after each affirmation, he tells him a commission. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my lamb. I just happen to think that when he got close in communion to Jesus and he began to overcome his weakness, that the commission would come roaring back in his ear. That prophetic word that was given to you as a teenager before life came, before bills came, before heartache and sorrow came your way, it will come roaring back. And you will remember your commission. And I feel the Holy Ghost here. You will remember what he called you to do. There are some of you here tonight that the Lord gave you a word in your teens or in your 20s and maybe life happened failed marriage bankruptcy failed business whatever out of sorts fell out with relationships with people that God is saying to you there will come a time you will overcome this weakness if you will listen to the Lord, if you will stay close, don't listen to your girlfriend who's divorced. Don't listen to your friends who want you to go get high and get drunk. They don't want you to be happy. They're not happy. Don't get mad at me. You better listen to the voice of the Lord. And the voice of the Lord is in this passage, this book. Everything I want, everything he has for me. Because when I overcome my weakness, hell better watch out because my commission my commission it's there would you bow your head for a moment God I want to thank you for this group that has come tonight those that are watching I pray Lord that you would reveal to us in the making of a leader even through the life of brother, of brother Peter that we would glean from him and understand that if he was emotional there's, all of us have emotion. All of us feel like quitting sometimes. All of us feel like giving up. But you said, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. And I want to know tonight, if you're here when no one's looking and your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and you would say, Pastor, that's me sometimes. I have thought about quitting. Even here lately, I've thought about quitting. Nobody's looking but me. Would you just let me know who I'm praying for? Slip your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your transparency. God bless all of you. You can put your hand down. I'm telling you that when this weakness passes,
when this hurdle is over, when this mountain is conquered, you're going to look back and see that the hand of God brought you through it. And then you're going to hear the voice of the Lord. And he's going to commission you and say, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Your purpose is not just to come to church. Your purpose is to be about the Father's business. And Jesus' final word to Peter in the passage that we read earlier, he said, follow me. And that's how he would stay in check because he would follow Jesus even through his weakness to stay on course. And I was taught as a young man in church growing up in Christ that if you have to ride the altar, then you better stay on the altar. There's no shame in the altar. The altar is for the church. The altar is for every believer. And I would say that the altar is open right now. For all of you that long to hear the commission of God again, the making of a leader, I've had weakness, there have been times I've had struggle, but if God is calling you now, you may be in your up season, you ought to be the first in the altar. But if you're here tonight and you say, there's struggle after struggle, and sometimes I've doubted myself, then you're just like Brother Peter, and God will come looking for you. <laughs> And he'll affirm you. And he'll say, I called you. Those mistakes are not final. You are not your mistake. You are my creation. I'd like to call the church to an old-fashioned altar of prayer tonight. I wonder if those of you that will and are able would make an altar in your seat or an altar in this altar area. Would you just do that now for the next little while here while we, we got nowhere to be, but just linger in his presence as they begin to sing. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 